Welcome to another edition of Michael L. Craver Presents. Here at my desk, if you're watching on video, you didn't get a musical intro, but uh, this week it's Savior. It's the Ghost Note Symphonies version from Rise Against, uh, an old song that I discovered long after I was I was done with wrestling, probably around 2010. I was collecting different um, song titles named Savior, and... Red Hot Chili Peppers, of course, have a song that came out around the time that I was wrestling. Just enough, your savior. Dusting off your savior. Great, great, great song. Uh, also, uh, Lisa Marie Presley, I believe, has a song that's called Savior. There's... Uh, a couple of others that um, are not coming to mind right now. I'm going to put this into my wicked machine here and see what's in my hard drive in terms of the word Savior. I'll get right back to it. As I do, I'll sometimes take a Sharpie, some sort of permanent marker, and I'll be sitting around while I'm working, and I'll just start signing things the way I used to sign stuff for wrestling or otherwise. And uh, if you've never seen it, uh, maybe I'll, I'll put a graphic of it up, but uh, I make a big S. So I'm around, down to the bottom of the S, you got the big S, and then swoop a line back through. And then I'll write the other letters across the S. So you have one giant S in the background and then Savior in front of it. A-V-1-O-R. Now I've mocked this. I've made fun of this. Anybody who's my aunt sent me an email a long time ago because my email address was the Elite Savior at Yahoo or Hotmail or whatever it was. She said, if you ever send me another email like this, like I'm not responding to it, etc., etc., and that's <laughs> what it is. But people never got the idea behind it was this mockery. It was the elite savior. And that came from the Rage Against the Machine song. And I, I might have recited this off on the podcast before, but it's called Know Your Enemy. It's a track from their debut album in 91. Rage, congratulations. Nominated for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And well-deserved. And the, the lyrics to the end of Know Your Enemy... We're going to scratch my old temple here, my old mind, and see if we can verbatim recall these words. Wait! 
all of which are American dreams. All of which are American dreams. Yes, I know my enemies, for they're the teachers who told me to fight me. Compromise, conformity, assimilation, submission, ignorance, hypocrisy, brutality, the elite, all of which are American dreams. It's vilified. It's a terrible trait to have. You don't want to be the elite, right? And then I put that in there. It's a, it's a play on myself. If you know what I'm saying, it's I'm mocking myself. It's hypocritical. The Savior name uh, comes from an old, and maybe I'll put this into the, the magic of post-production. I'll put this into the podcast here. And right now, I want to ask each and every one of you to join me in prayer. I want to ask each and every one of you from the top row down to the front to bow your heads, close your eyes, and join me in prayer. I'd like to pray for Bret Hart that he may have a speedy, quick, and successful recovery. I'd like to pray for all the people who rejoiced in the savage brutality of last week's show. May they be forgiven. And I'd like to pray for all those, even those many among us, who exulted in the devious actions of Stone Cold Steve Austin. May you be forgiven as well. And I'd like to pray for the millions across America, this great land, who savor the bloodthirsty violence that pervades our society. Please continue to bond with me in prayer because I like to pray for the complete annihilation and destruction of Stone Cold Steve Austin. I'd like to pray that in this very building tonight he be stricken down so that he may never ever again practice his evil craft. And I'd like to pray to each and every one of you out there now to open your hearts and minds and let Bret Hart in. Let Bret Hart, the savior of the WWF, in to your heart and soul. Brian Pillman cutting uh wrestling promo on Monday Night Raw in July of 1997 from Des Moines, Iowa, I believe, maybe Cedar Rapids, but talking about how Bret Hart is the injured Bret Hart is the savior of the World Wrestling Federation. That's where it comes from. Now, many people think that years, a couple of years later, Chris Jericho showed up and he said he was the savior of the WWF. That's not where it comes from. Bret Hart. I'm a Bret Hart guy. I have Bret Hart's... Um, 
in the World Hockey League. He, he was a part owner, and I think he still does the artistry, and he's a season ticket holder and everything else for the Calgary Hitman. And this very interesting Calgary Hitman jacket that I, I'm in love with. Bought a duplicate copy, sent it up to uh, Livonia, to uh, my buddy's uh, house, best friend. And um, I really, I've just enjoyed this. It's as if you're playing a role, right? Because I got into wrestling to have some fun, maybe make some money and, and play out <laughs> my dreams or adventures. And it was always meant in this way that there's something you're not seeing, right? And you like you you look at wrestling and what's real and what's not real, right? All right, so when I spell savior, S A V one O R. So as I'm signing things and I'm putting Savior, the one takes the place of the I. I'm trying to think where I heard the original saying. But it goes, in the land of the blind, the man with one eye is king. In the land of the blind, the one-eyed man is king. Well, I don't even have the one eye. I replaced it with one for Savior. It also plays uh, into this choice that I... Nelly, I used his, his song, which is the pound sign of one. Number one, Nelly is a... Very famous track from uh, Training Day. Denzel Washington, Ethan Hawke, who is now probably known to this generation from The Purge more than anything else. But our generation, he was, he was in more adventurous and romantic things. And so, I bring I bring this up because of this. This week, I I just stopped signing stuff like that. I, I've I've had a stack of uh, of coupons. They were all printed on you know. They're not cardstock, but they're printed on that magazine paper, right? And so they're very good for writing on with a sharpie. And I'm signing all this stuff as if I'm signing a book. But I'm I'm on calls and I'm working professionally. Now, I just I, I was going through there and I said I always sign it the elite with quotation marks around it, like the elite, you know, like I'm mocking myself once again. And then uh, put my name, Michael Graver. And I always write the copyright C with 2021, whatever year it might be. And this has been going on for years and years. I can't remember if I ever signed anything with copyright before I got into wrestling, right? I was in high school, I used to do all this creative writing. I got about halfway through that stack, and I said, when I get to the bottom of this stack, it's over. Never going to sign anything else, Savior, again. I just decided... It reminds me of this uh, very <laughs> ironic dry wit joke from Zach Galifianakis. For five years now, I've been addicted to cold turkey. <laughs> and I would tell people, I'm quitting cold turkey. They're like, what are you quitting? I'm like, I'm quitting fucking cold turkey. He says, uh, I'm quitting cold turkey. People are like, what are you quitting? He's like, cold turkey. <laughs> and I just think, like my, my brother, and I don't, I don't share his name here, but my, 
<laughs> one of many brothers, right? Um, he, I just think of him when I think of jokes like that. He's he's a very you know my dad dry sense of humor kind of thing. But my my brother would appreciate it far more than my father. Here's an interesting dilemma for you. Now I was previously married to my children's mother. She was adopted by her grandparents. All right, so she by law, not by biologically, has um, sister, two brothers, they're married. I have a brother, stepsister, she's married. I also have two stepbrothers, two stepsisters. A couple of those are married. Okay. So between all of us, at one point in time, there are one, two, three, four, five, well, you don't count my then wife is one. So you got you got four brothers and sisters, either biologically or, or brother-in-laws, sister-in-laws, right? On one side. And on the other side, or I guess with the with the wife too, there's six and then I've got six. So there's twelve and then that makes sixteen. And I said to myself, now hold on, hold on. If Michael is married to Mary and Mary has a brother, that's her brother-in-law. All right, now, Michael is married to Mary, who has a brother-in-law named Jim, and Jim is married to Teresa. All right, is Teresa my sister-in-law? If Teresa has a brother named Jim, Michael has a brother-in-law, right? So I have, he's my brother-in-law. If that guy's his brother-in-law, then is the enemy of my enemy my enemy, or is the enemy of my enemy my friend? So what do we do? Grab 88 keys or go straight for big boy? Yeah, Tracy, what do we do? Grab 88 keys or go straight for big boy? Is the enemy of my enemy my friend? Or the enemy of my friend my enemy? What? Or the enemy of my enemy my enemy? What did he say? The enemy of my enemy is my enemy. He said the enemy of his enemy is his enemy. Oh. Who's really, where's the brother-in-law stop and strangers begin? This is an interesting question for you. Those of you who are trying to, to deduce this, it's, it's a good water cooler. Well, it's a good topic that you can have on your, your social media platforms. Nobody's in the office anymore. No more water coolers. I had to give those up. We had a tough year. It was 95. Anyway, um, I, I just retired. You know, the, the name, the, the persona, I, <laughs> I said to a... A lady, and I might have said this a while ago on like episode six, where I was doing more episodes about dating and stuff. I said to somebody, I said, uh, you know, I'm not interested in whatever you're selling. I'm not interested in relationship. This and the other. I'm retired. She said, well, what does that mean? And I said, well, I said, what it means is that I more or less don't have any um, adventures left to go after. Like, everything I could think of to be on my bucket list or otherwise, I've done, right? So, I don't know what else there is for me to go chasing. And, I mean, I meant that wholeheartedly, right? Because I've been the guy in, in, in my lifetime where if I thought something was going to be remembered i would say it remembered for good bad or indifference i was raised in this era where you know 
If good, no, no press is bad press. Every piece of press is good press. If it's good, bad, or indifferent, you got your name in the paper. Is that? Are we following along? So, I just, you know, would say things that were very demeaning to people. You know, anytime somebody says, oh, "I'm thinking about something," what am I missing? Personality, and people hate that, right? Because they, oh, and then you know, I, I had this the, the old. You know, the roads are paved twice wherever you are, wherever silly decision happens, right? Because they're tarred and then they're retarred. And so, you know, while that would be offensive if you said the word, it's not offensive to imply that, hey, hey these, this asphalt feels double thick because you can get around it. Now, why people can go uh, and, and do sketchy things in music and social media and otherwise and say, skeet, skeet. Well, what does that really mean? It's an offensive gesture. It happens at the end of pornographic films. It's, it's, you know. But if you use a code word, you can get away with it. They'll say you're a Trump supporter, and that's an innuendo to call you all sorts of other socially undesirable things. Or you might be saying that to your friends, and you're saying, ha ha, we're better than them. Whatever your stance on that is, it's a class issue. It's what you are doing to identify other people. People call that identity politics. And I just, you know, I, I have all these clever things that have, you know, come up with along the way that it's like if you're in on it, you're in on it. It's kind of funny. Maybe it's not funny. Somebody does something to you and you go, that's mean. Well, maybe it was mean, but maybe that's your way of getting out the frustration in a comical way. Maybe you know the inside joke behind why I say that's mean because it was it was outrageous. I think I asked somebody for some money or something, which I didn't deserve. And they said, I'm not giving you money. I said, that's mean. <laughs> and he took it with him. Now he took the joke. Not only did he not give me money, Ron Jones took that and then he started shopping it around. And when I'd run into him, or even if he saw me first, especially when he saw me first, I could remember him seeing me at like a Walmart, like from 100 yards away. And I heard across the store, that's mean. <laughs> I said, oh, shit, who is that? Because it was like calling my name, right? And, yeah, I've, I've had my fair share of, of conversations with, you know, the opposite sex and adventures and things I'm not going to tell here. And, and some of those have been um, in good-natured fun. Some of them have, have been mistakes and bad decisions. Um and often those things cost you, right? Because you carry around things that don't work out, like they're shameful or you feel like you you made a bad bet and you lost. You went broke, you, you know, you're, if you want to call that emotionally bankrupt or something of that nature. Listen up, the soap you shower with, it's You probably haven't even questioned what bar of soap you lather up with. Let's face it, most guys don't. They're still using whatever bar their mommy bought for her little man. Is that what you want? To smell like mama's little man? Ugh. But now you can upgrade your shower game with Dr. Squatch Natural Soap. I'm talking about natural, nourishing, cold-pressed, hand-cut soap for men. Men who use their hands. Men who build things. Men who open the pickle jar on the first try. Men who catch foul balls without spilling their beer. You won't just smell good either. Your skin will be healthier and more nourished. Dare I say... Soft. Oh, men aren't supposed to have soft skin? Yeah, well men weren't supposed to cry during movies. And then they made the movie Rudy. He's so little. 
You want to smell like the forest? Boom, pine tar, we've got you. You want to smell like the sea? Boom, nautical sage, we've got you. You want to smell like you just got off a boat in the Caribbean? Boom, bay rum, we've got you. And with six more cents, we've got you covered no matter what kind of man you are. Now you're wondering why have I been doing it wrong for so long? During the First World War, Big Soap started taking out all the natural ingredients to make production cheaper and faster. And they replaced all the natural stuff with chemicals. Chemicals like sodium lauryl sulfate, parabens, and dioxane. Chemicals linked to depression, liver damage, cancer, and low sperm count. And worst of all, dry skin. Oh. Your poor balls, all dry, empty, and sad. But there's good news. We make our soaps with natural ingredients from the earth. Ingredients like oils, plants, goat's milk, Greek yogurt, oatmeal, shea butter, and citrus. No, turn your shower game up to 11. With the smooth lather of gold moss or the exfoliating woodsy bliss that is pine tar, get ready to step out of the shower feeling alive. Still not sure? Here's a couple reviews from real customers. Joseph S. says, This is the perfect bar of soap. It's like it was handcrafted in the Northwest forest by beautiful tiny elves. Oh, Tiny Elves isn't enough for you? Well, here's another review from Michael A. It makes you feel like you just stepped out of a mountain stream and Squatch was there to hand you the towel. It's time for you to get the right tool for the job because you're worth it, my friend. We ship it right to your door. And with a 100% satisfaction guarantee, if it's not the best bar of soap you've ever used, it's on us. Tens of thousands of men already subscribe. Which means that every month, fresh new bars of Squatch show up at their door. I feel like at this point in my life, just from a logistical like standpoint, right? Because you can, if you've listened to my podcast, you can easily identify like I'm a high functioning, like on the spectrum kind of guy who's he's got a lot going on up there at one time, and it's hard sometimes for other people to follow along. It's hard for me to make seven points at one time. But I enjoy being a, like on the other end of where I'm problem solving on a daily basis. Love it, right? My bag in the back of my trunk has my, each bag has, you know, a screwdriver set and, you know, I've got one bag with my drills and all the stuff that goes along with those. And then I've got another just generic tool bag. I've got, you know, a really nice set of wrenches and there's a two and a half ton jack in my trunk. If I ever need to lift my car up, I I carry around with me the tools of my trade. That sometimes physically and some, most mentally, right? And I outthink uh, situations. Sometimes in an unhealthy way. Now, I said, and, and I was talking about my best friend this this morning, and I said, you know, there are people who will tell you that this situation is not salvageable. Nothing can be done. And I'm the guy who's still looking at like, what can we do to you know, find some value in this situation and move forward, right? What can we do for the best possible outcome? Not giving up. What do we do to have, like, the real underdog story here? And, and sometimes it's an easy fix, right? You just slam dunk, lay up, whatever your uh, terminology is for an easy win, 
And that doesn't mean that it's any less of a win, right? Winning by one point is the same as winning by 30 points. Oh, we made a big comeback. All that really means is you gave up a big lead, right? There's two schools of thought on some of these things, right? Oh, he came back from alcohol and addiction and what led him into the choices that got him into addiction, right? Most people never even make the choice to go down that road to fuck their life up that much to have to come back from it, right? So what's really the comeback? I mean, that's a comeback story, right? Because he came from against the odds, right? But he put the odds against himself. And if you look at it as if other people have a daily struggle, and then here's this guy who took the easy way out forever. This is, here's a guy who, you know, he worked his whole life. He made 15 bucks an hour. He tried to pay off this reasonably priced uh, blue-collar house. He's, he's doing things for his family and his kids. Okay. Here's this other guy, and he took a shortcut. And he, took, he didn't have an honest, per se, job. He took advantage of people. And he went down this other path of maliciously, you know, defrauding people of money or... He's selling stuff to people that don't need it. I mean, he's, you know, he's taking advantage. Greedy, though. Greedy. And, and with a malicious mindset. Is he doing something on a, a broader scale that's going to make him, in the long run, right? What I'm pointing out is, here's this guy who had easier days, but he's got one big uphill climb. And here's this other guy who's gone up a steady hill his whole life. So if they both get to the top of the same mountain, right? This mountain is 100 feet tall. Whether you climb it real fast or whether you go up a steady hill your whole life, you still got to that height. Now, which one of those is harder? This guy who had to overcome this avalanche of odds or this other guy who had to persevere his and, and you know, this chance that he took every single day of something going wrong and having to start all over again. Sure, this other guy was, you know, the, the people who are in a, an, an addiction program uh, have been reckless and sometimes maybe uh, against their will. Could be life held them down, whatever it might have been. But if you are in the game of taking your pain away through pharmaceutical, chemical, and otherwise um, means, then what I look at is to say that you... I mean, the, the cliche is that you took the easy way out. And I don't know that I argue with that per se, because it's a rough lifestyle to have to finance uh, drugs or hide things or to, to really be in the boat of shame. If you do things that put you in an ugly light and could potentially ruin your entire reputation, you live in exile or in this uh, very judged place when it's all over with you overcome addiction and everything else you still have the label of being an addict you still have the track record of that right and when i told someone i retired i mean i i really just was to the point where i just did not want to continue to pursue um getting to know anybody new. Um, I just, I, I don't feel like telling my story all over again. I mean, I'm, I'm to the point where I have practical skills. I practice them. I don't do as many loose things to have, like, 
I, what I've said before is that I would rather have a bad story than no story. Um, now I put it on paper or I record it in the podcast from my history. There's not a story. There's not a fresh one anyway. I'm, I'm recalling things and trying to organize thoughts and memories and share. Maybe in the hopes that somebody else doesn't repeat what the fuck I've done. Maybe they take the questions that I ask, ask them to the world, find a valuable, favorable solution. Maybe. That's what I'm hoping for. When I say I'm retired, it means that um, retired of the, let's say the, the character. It's a lot to juggle. It just is. It's so easy for anybody. If you don't understand this, try it for a week. I, I don't say this in an offering for you to ruin your reputation or cost you your job on social media or otherwise, but it's so simple to just, just go jump on social media and start running people down or saying things from behind and be a keyboard warrior. You know, you know, it's not accountable. I made the the reference to someone today. I said, the disconnect that happens in our community and this is a broader issue. Corporate um, and corporate corporations. Let's use the word corporations. They make decisions from an office. They manufacture in some third place. They ship it near you and or to you, whether you're doing it by mail or, or in retail, brick and mortar. And something goes wrong. None of those folks will ever have to look you in the eye. And the more you order by mail, the more they can fuck you. Because you don't have an everyday relationship. It's very, very, very different. The banking collapse that happened in 2008 is directly because of this. Your local neighborhood bank comprised of people who are risking their own money is not going to risk their entire life in bad loans. All right? But if you are someone who is just... You know, like a snake oil salesman does. If if you are a person who is running around and doing your business in a way that you're never going to have to see people again, there's not accountability. And there's a funny scene in Tommy Boy where he says, you know, he says, I can take a shit in a box and, and guarantee it. I'll just slap it, you know, right on the side of the box. Market guaranteed. I like your line, I like your prices, but there's a problem. There's no guarantee on the box. Heck, if something breaks down, you can call me, even if I'm home watching TV. Callahan has guaranteed every part sold since 1925. Maybe so, but it's not on the box. It should always be on the box, comforting you, calling out, I'm good, I'll never let you down, but if I do, I'm going to make things all better. Our brake pads are made with a non-corrosive polyplate. Son, if you're not talking about a guarantee, skip it. My customers need to see that little label looking them right in the eye. Hey, you can get a good look at your butcher. No. What? Remember, chicken wings. Chicken wings? All right, you want to talk about guarantees, then... Fellas, you just ran out of time. Chicken wings. 
Let's think about this for a sec, Ted. Why would somebody put a guarantee on a box? Hmm, very interesting. Go on, I'm listening. Here's the way I see it, Ted. Guy puts a fancy guarantee in a box because he wants you to feel all warm and toasty inside. Yeah, makes a man feel good. Of course it does. Why shouldn't it? You figure you put that little box under your pillow at night, the guarantee fairy might come by and leave a quarter. Am I right, Ted? <laughs> What's your point? The point is, how do you know the fairy isn't a crazy glue sniffer? Building model airplanes, says the little fairy. Well, we're not buying it. He sneaks into your house once, that's all it takes. Next thing you know, there's money missing off the dresser and your daughter's knocked up. I've seen it a hundred times. But why do they put a guarantee on the box, then? Because they know all they sold you was a guaranteed piece of shit. That's all it is, isn't it? Hey, if you want me to take a dump in a box and mark it guaranteed, I will. I got spare time. But for now, for your customer's sake, for your daughter's sake, you might want to think about about buying a quality product from me. Okay, I'll buy from you. Oh, that's... What? Well, you know, what he's saying is, is funny and makes sense in the context of the movie. But uh, there's no guarantee on the box. <laughs> I'll take a shit in the box and guarantee it if you want me to. I mean, it's just... It's a simple thing. People who are not doing business face-to-face, -face, who don't have accountability, they don't have a long-term relationship with the customer, and they don't have to worry about retention, right? Because the, the bigger you let companies get that buy up and eliminate their competition, the, the ability for someone else to be their competitor is eliminated just logistically, right? They, they've destroyed all their competitors. They have the lowest prices. They have the market corner. They have exclusive products. And we, as consumers... Give them that power. When I'm hypocritical and I put all the information right there in front of you, and you're seeing it, if you go to school, you go to public education, right? You, you ought to know a little bit of how, about how business works and how state and local government works and what happens when corporations, you go rent your apartment from XYZ Corporation that is located somewhere else. Do they really care about how your apartment is run? Oh, uh, no. Well, what about the guy who's your landlord because you rent the house from him, right? And you get to look him in the eye or you go pay him on a daily basis. Or, well, not a, of course, you're not paying rent on a daily basis. Very foolish statement I just made. But you understand what, what I'm saying to you, right? Because these places have made it so easy for you to pay by direct deposit. You have virtually no human interaction throughout their process of doing business. You know, when's the last time you saw somebody from Amazon? Now they have prime trucks. It's only at the tail end that you may actually see an Amazon employee. It's a very difficult thing for people to try to um, get back the ground they've lost in these areas. And for me, when I say I've retired, like, I mean, I just, like, I got... Same, it's a mirror, and I maybe I've not made that clear, but I let things get so far out of control with, like, you know, what I thought people wanted to hear from me or playing a character or saying something memorable that, yeah, I've done a lot of meaningful stuff. Like, I've built a lot of things for people and, and done generous financial things. Or, you know, as a as a boyfriend, I've, you know, I'm very big on, like, oh, we're watching TV. Well, I'm a handsy kind of guy, and I grew up playing video games. You know what my hands are going to be doing? If you'll sit over there or you'll sit on the couch and I sit on the floor, then I'll rub your feet through the whole fucking TV show, the whole movie. What? Like a 25-minute, 90-minute? Yes, yes, that long. And on a regular basis. 
I used to joke with the girlfriend that, you know, she got more foot rubs in a night than most people got in a year. Probably true. Did she appreciate that? I don't know. You know. Um, but it's it's just one of those things where, like, if somebody thinks that you've done them wrong, even if you if you did them wrong, right, they, they are very aware that, like, this, this was their expectations, you did not meet their expectations, or you betrayed them in whatever shape, form, or fashion. Often, there's this human condition where people look at that and they never let that go. Oh, this is a beautiful job that you did building my car. Oh, but there's been a recall. Yeah, but you're still going to drive that car 400,000 miles. Oh, but it's not perfect. Oh, you know, what's ever perfect, right? There's mistakes. There's, And you can look at it as intentional. Whether you define something as a reckless decision versus a mistake is a matter of its, it's personal values. But I, I f- do not, and I firmly believe in this, this way, if someone says something ugly to somebody, there are times that they say those things, and it's human nature to say things that will elicit a response from people. And when you do it to law enforcement or otherwise, it's called disorderly conduct. It's crime, right? You're trying to provoke something. Now, people do this in relationships, um, and, and sometimes they're just venting their feelings, and they think, well, I can say anything to this person. I trust them, love them. They've got my future, my household. You're maybe raising a dog, children otherwise, right? And um, if you, let's say there was infidelity involved, so there was cheating involved. Now, no matter what you've done for this person uh, or another person, that will always be something they can go back and try to sling at you. But at some point, like mud and whatever other metaphor you want to use, at some point you can't sling mud anymore. It dries up. and It's not mud anymore. It's got to rain again. Or you've got to go get something wet to make it mud. Um, people who have been addicted to things, they've been an addict, do you think you ought to be able to, to sling addiction at them their whole life? How about somebody who's had an abortion? Committed any other sin. They cheated on a test. Cheated on a partner. Committed a misdemeanor crime. A felony. Do you get to sling that at them their whole life? Or does it run its course? And it, Like at what point does it stop having a premium value and it starts going away? Like to you, you think you're holding a decision they made over their head, right? I know Tony over there is a serious drug addict. And I'm going to continue to tell him he's a serious drug addict. But what if he can't control it or he does it by choice? I mean, there's, there's a lot of different versions of this story. Can he ever truly, like, retire that? Maybe he wants to retire. Oh, no, he'll always be that guy to me. I'll always see him that way. But what if he wants to let it go? Should you let it go? Is that a matter of class, etiquette, preference, being a a good human being? Here's a woman who was uh, promiscuous in her younger age. and You never let her forget it. Now, I don't know what constructive value that has. 
Here's a guy who came from nothing. You always remind him, like, remember, you were nothing. Well, now he's a millionaire. No, no, he came from nothing. I mean, what the value is really what he allows it to to be. You don't have any more power over people than they let you have, in all fairness. And I just decided to, to, to retire and, and stop signing things and stop playing a character or, or being <laughs> as outrageous. I've I've said a lot of wicked things to people, um, mostly plausible and based in truth, so they are are in fact quite receptive to the things that I say. You know, you you say something to somebody about their weight, and maybe they can't control it or they're trying to change it. It may not mean very much to them. You say something to uh, to them about their their personality. Some people are happy with that. Oh, you, you can't handle my personality. I have always found these ways to really appreciate people for what they bring to the table. Like trying to figure out where they're really trying and let them know that they're being successful. Or that somebody notices that they're putting in effort. Right, you and, and people have a word for that. That in in empathy, they say they're empathizing with people who are in a condition, or they're, as I've said many times, a work in progress. All right. But what I'm getting at is that it works in reverse, and there's so many people who use that tool for the bad, but they don't use it for a good. If everybody's feelings started at I wake up and I'm in a fine mood. I'm in a standard mood. I'm I'm not upset and I'm not tremendously enthusiastic. Okay, so you could go to being extremely upset, frustrated, you know, just mental breakdown at negative 10. And being on cloud nine in ecstasy and ecstasy and whatever is positive 10. You got this big range of variables. No matter what happened in 2020, it's a brand new year. And with HelloFresh, it's 365 days to start fresh, to make some new memories that just might turn into traditions. 365 ways to make time for yourself, to make time for the kiddos, to make a mess, or make believe. <laughs> to make it up as you go along and make it your own to make their new all-time favorite meal. Whatever this new year brings, Hi, Mom. Hey, Pam. we'll help What's you turn your, your to-dos into to-dos. Pork and pineapple tacos. Oh, that sounds good. <laughs> Just take it step-by-step step and we'll make it Cheers. one dish at a time. Many people are they're very skilled, or even by accident, can get people to a negative five, six, seven, maybe higher, especially if they're being mean, especially if they want to call them a, a cheater, an addict, a, a guilty party. Okay. Many people don't have the tools to make someone feel past about four or six on a positive scale without leverage. 
or luck. They just don't. They don't have the... It's a it's a very special thing. And for anybody who's out there looking at it and going, oh, that's bullshit. How often does it happen from how many people, right? How many people do you interact with on a daily basis? How many of them take you into ecstasy? You know. I almost said how many of them are you are you taking ecstasy with? Um but the reality of it is that you you know, statistically what I'm saying is is right. Negatively, yeah, so many people just piss me off, or I don't like them, or right? You're predisposed in this world we live in to, to find things to almost get pleasure out of ugliness. This world full of, of beauty and ring lights and everything else. <laughs> and people look around and they take pleasure in trying to tell people what doesn't work for them or otherwise. They do it politically and everything else, right? Here's, oh, Trump's the president and he did this and he did, you know, a million things that somebody likes and he did a million things somebody else doesn't like. And your attitude about it can be to try to look at it and have a positive 10 look on things. It can be, let's have a negative 10 look on things. I like to be able to, let's say you, you wake up before your partner. Now, traditionally, people like to uh, make someone breakfast in bed or maybe make them some coffee or, you know, clean the house up or something, maybe. Do all those things, right? Like, before I would leave my girlfriend's place, I would, at night, I'd, I'd tuck her into bed and uh, give her a big kiss on the head and whisper to her, you know, I hope she has sweet dreams, whatever it might be. All right. So I would then maybe rub her feet to make sure she's in a good sleep and... Make sure all the dishes are washed and put away. Uh, the dog has walked, and he's put up. He's fed. He's watered. He's had his chance to go outside. Um, a few treats, maybe. We're listening to, to uh, Alexa. Maybe Michael L. Craver presents on Alexa. And otherwise, we're you know picking things up on the furniture and, and making sure things are in their place, dirty clothes are organized. All that stuff, right? Just regular stuff around the household. Just leaving the house the way you left it the night before, you know. But I firmly believe that, like, when you leave the morning uh, with the best chance for success, better chance they're going to have a successful day. Maybe you write a beautiful note. You leave it out, and you say, "Here's all the things that I try to get a head start on." Okay, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, and you know, have the best day and uh, call me later. Love you, something like that. Very simple things. Takes just a matter of minutes. It's uh, if you're watching a lot of TikToks at 15 seconds, 10 minutes would be 40 TikToks. But if you're watching YouTube videos, you know could, could be one, could be two, could be half a YouTube video for some of y'all. Now, it's a very simple thing though, right? Because I'm a, like I'm highly my brain being high functioning on the spectrum and stuff, right? So I'm gonna go. Start running the water with soap and heat, all right? And then I'm going to go do some other stuff, and I'm going to come back, and I'm going to turn off the water. Now the dishes are soaking. They're breaking down. The parts per million in the soap is breaking down the dishes. All right. I might go run around and, and vacuum a little bit, or I'm cleaning up. And then I'm going to go back to the dishes, right? Because now I've handled all of this stuff, and I can get my hands dirty with soap and clean everything. Okay. 
And then before I leave, um, I got a, a few other things I'm going to do. Maybe go walk the dog, something like that, and then come back in. And then if there's anything left, the dishes are not air dried, and hand dry them, put them back in the cabinet, and put the dog up. And he, so he's a happy guy. He's been out as long as he can be out. The dishes have had the fairest chance to break down all the stuff that's on them. If you're doing clothes, I would start the laundry before all of this because if you put it on speed wash or otherwise about 29 minutes or so, uh, you you actually could start a little bit early and, and listen to some stuff, take your time, and then throw stuff in the dryer before the morning. So that's nice. And then the house might even smell like that in the morning. You wake up to a, to a clean house, uh, wash clothes, put away dishes, you know, mop kitchen floor, and all the world is right again. <sighs> If you're out there listening and you think that all of that takes like a lot of time, it doesn't. We've Most of us have worked in service or in some other place where we cleaned up after ourselves. And to be able to clean up for the end of the job is usually done during the last hour, half hour, or, you know, we stay after work. So to do it in your own home, like that's that's where the practice pays off. Your place will be as nice as possible. You've got your place set up for like a positive four in the morning. <gasps> Maybe you're going to have a day that's a positive ten. Now, if you start off behind with a bunch of dirty clothes and dishes to wash and everything else, you're starting off at a negative three or four. got all these things you got to do just to break even for the day. And... Um, I put a lot more energy into those things, and I, I guess I just decided at some point, like, I have not mastered because there's always, like, a work in progress, but I guess I just decided at some point that <laughs> I don't if if that's the ship I'm on, I don't exactly know where it's where it's headed to. It's it's nice little it's good view, beautiful view, nice clean ship, right? Ship shape, as they say. I just don't know who I'd want to let join me on that journey. What could you have to add to it? Now, there's probably a lot of people out there who can relate to this. Oh, I got it all handled myself. You may have it mostly handled yourself. But let's say there's somebody else who comes along who would be able to, to, to share certain things or give and take with you, and they can cook like a motherfucker, and they, you know, they, let's say they rub all your feet and uh, massage all your hands and make sure you're, you're tucked away and you got a clean house. And Oh, my goodness, we ran out of something. Well, let me go grab that from the store before... You know, the, the inventory gets any worse. Well, that seems like a, a pretty good person to have on your crew. To love, to hold, to appreciate. Well, let's say that person did something wrong. Well, fuck that. They got to walk the plank. They're off this ship. Even if the ship is going to be like going to hell in a handbasket. Oh, we'll manage. We'll do. Yes. You can... You can choose, like, you're going to hold that against the other person, irregardless. That's in your head. Oh, this happened to me. God damn it. And you carry it around with you forever. 
Now, you can give that person a chance to be part of your life, redeem themselves, you know, enjoy all of the, the fruits of their labor, and as you, what you can do as a team. You can still do that. You can go in another direction, and, and maybe you trade off their qualities for different qualities, lesser qualities, maybe no qualities. But I don't have those memories, you know. Okay, well, let's put that on the scale. All right. Now, the memories start you off at a negative three. The guy brings you up to a positive four every day. That's a seven-point fluctuation. Now, if the other person, the new person, let's say there's a new person. you got a new partner. Oh, they make, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy. I'm content with them. I don't have the bad memories. I don't have this, that, and the other. Well, what are they doing for you? They doing all this other stuff? No. So you don't have the same atmosphere and you don't have the same security. Well, I mean, what do you mean security? Like I dropped the other guy, so I'm not going to get hurt and I'm not going to do this and that and the other. All right. So your old dog that had, you know, he was wearing down or he had cancer or he always ate your shoes or whatever it is, right? You'd rather go with the new dog? Put the old dog down and, and give him the pink juice, right? Let him go to sleep. Well, I mean, uh, that's a hard debate, right? Because you you have this sentimentality. Like you love, you have this emotional connection where you love the other dog, the other pet. And the best memories you have with that situation are far better than anything you can have with any any new person, any new adventure, any new pet, right? Oh, those were the good old days and this and that and the other, right, right, right. So how do you factor that in when you try to go and, and I don't know, you, you try to, as a human being, become not a human being. You retire that part of you, Right? Oh, no, I'm not emotionally attached to that person anymore. I, I wish them well, and I think about them, and I care about them, but from a distance, right? Just because you care about somebody and you love them doesn't mean you have to talk to them. And... What a strange idea, right? You, you love your, you know, your grandparents. They pass away. Oh, I think about them. I never need to go visit their grave or, or uh, bring them flowers or any of these traditional things that are therapeutic. Nah. Nothing like that. Nothing at all. Imagine that, right? That you have the ability to love your um, significant other, your child, your family, or anybody else from a distance. That they should just appreciate like how you feel about them without any interaction from then forever. I told them, you know, I wish them well and said and the other thing. And as a human being and somebody whose life is ending on a slow time scale, uh, there's no trying to interact with them. Hey, how are you doing? Maybe I'm worried about you. Otherwise, it's such a strange thing to just not communicate with people that you would have such rich memories with sure there might be some bad times mixed in there but those are your memories with the other person like that's what you talk about the good times the bad times the great times the fuck-ups 
especially in situations where people have like this very exclusive, very deep understanding of your history with them and who you are and who they are that you can't get any other way. Like there's no other person who has that same story with you. And it's, it is so strange to me when people take the stance and they just kind of square up and, you know, I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to fight my urges. I'm going to do it cold turkey. I'm going to quit this situation, this person, and otherwise. Now, if you're always an addict or always a cheater, or always promiscuous, always a felon, always whatever you are, how do you know <laughs> the difference between where you are today and that person? Right, because if your hill that you're willing to die on is that person always carries around their flaws and stains and faults and mistakes with them, at what point could any progress ever really be acknowledged? This guy sets up a charity. He feeds a hundred kids. He's got Operation Santa, and he gives out presents. He volunteers. He's now a counselor. At the rehab center. He's helped so many addicts. He himself hurt his family. He had a family of 10 people. He had a wife, a girlfriend, and kids. But he's made a difference in so many people's lives. And they've made a difference in other people's lives. And this wave that he's got going out there. And then the wave crashes and comes back in. And this metaphor of what he has been able to do. Right? He, he made mistakes and he got into this situation. Now... He is able to use his tools to do so much good. And everyone else can see him this way. Other people will acknowledge it. Whose opinion do you think he cares about the most as a human being? Do you think if all of those people step up and tell him what he's doing right and how much a difference he's made, you think that means... More, the same, or less than having the validation of the people he did wrong. I think everybody knows what the, the storybook answer is. Everybody's different, and some people are just not going to care. They're going to, you know, they're going to take the stance of, well, to hell with those people. And I've done so much good, like, you know, if this person doesn't understand it, they're just naive. They're too, they don't get it, or they're not being fair, that's for sure. Look, you know, I, I wronged this much, and I've righted this much. Like, how in the hell? Yeah, but I mean, you hurt people along, people get hurt in life. People do wrong in life. You fail every time before you succeed. And even after. This idea that anybody has a... This... Perfect... Uh, smooth sailing on the open seas. There's never any... 
rough storms or anything to weather could happen, right? It's like the guy, he's going up the long hill his whole life. These other people were willing to risk it all. Fight against the tide, fight through the, the open ocean and all the disasters and storms and everything that come with it. Well, you know, uh, the people in our past, change was not fast like it is now. took people years and years before they ever decided to call it quits, get divorced. Otherwise, now, I mean, the world just moves so fast. People just, they turn stuff off in an instant. Oh, no. I read it everywhere. It's all over Facebook. It's all over social media. I don't have to do anything I don't want to do. And if something makes me uncomfortable, then it's wrong. I don't have to do anything. Now, if you get 30 points behind, I was talking about winning earlier. If you win by one or win by 30, you get far behind. You probably don't feel much like playing. There's a different discipline to sticking through, to keeping your word, to winning or losing, but fulfilling your commitments. And that term and that idea of fulfilling your commitments is what ultimately is on trial here. Because if someone does something wrong that you feel has let you down, are they able to still fulfill all of their other commitments? Do they still get a passing winning? Do they get a winning score? Do they get a passing grade? Are they still successful? And it's really up to what other people are willing to accept. You know, I spent a long time trying to figure out, you know, what was a good story and what was a bad story. I've got a lot of clever things to say. Like, you don't want to fight with me verbally or otherwise because I just, I I see all of these factors about people and then I'm willing to, like, dive into this alternate reality like me, the elite savior with no I in it. But I'm willing to dive into this other reality that I will create where something ironic about you leads me in this direction. All right, now I'm going to pursue that direction. Only... Because you have given me a reaction. And most of what I say is complete bullshit. It's plausible, but it's complete bullshit. And it's not true. Or I'm making fun of myself, and you just don't see it. There was a guy named... His, I, I don't care. His, his name is Malik. That was working with me years ago. Working in the back of this restaurant. We're all wearing the restaurant shirt. Because we're all dressed alike. Because we're team members. And we work for the same company, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Got the same uniform on. I walk over to him in the dish pit. And I say, where'd you get that stupid fucking shirt? And the dishwasher looks at me like, wow, you're fucking dumb because you're wearing the same shirt. Malik turns to me and he goes, where'd you get that backyard haircut? And he starts to personally attack me and then won't let it go. And the other guy is trying to point out to him like, hey, Malik, he's wearing that shirt too. He's being funny. Like, we're all wearing the shirt. It's, you don't get it. <laughs> he didn't get it. And he carried that around for like a long time. <laughs> Even when people are doing things that you think betray you or they might have cheated on you or whatever, sometimes people are very confused about the decisions they're making. And it's ultimately up to you whether you can understand their point of view, whether you give it any validity and, and accept it. But maybe if they hid things from you, 
they never meant for you to see something that they did that was shameful. Maybe they're very upset at themselves. They have to live with it. They didn't want to hurt you because they didn't take it out and throw it at you and say, here, let me see how much weight I can drop on you. You know. You know where we got the money for our house? I stole it from a bank. We're outlaws. Wait, wait, what? what? We're going to go to jail? We're risking it all. You can't be stealing the money for our house. You're going to earn it honestly. And, right. You know what I did when you got me upset? I went out drinking, and I'm now I'm an alcoholic. I went out and bought pharmaceuticals. I went out and bought illegal narcotics. I went out and I cheated, whatever it might have been. And this is one of those things where it's really difficult for anybody to sit down and, like, forgive the other person to try to make them. You have to want to understand where they're coming from for there to be any common ground, right? Because you've got to find it together. They can try to tell you the truth all day long. They might have done something that was they knew was stupid. They knew it was stupid when they were doing it. They didn't control themselves, and here we are. To them, they didn't think you would find out, and it's the same as you, I don't know, using their credit card or blowing their money. Or, but at the, at the end of the day, if they don't know what was happening and, and you didn't know what was happening, you know, both sides, are, they wash it out, right? Well, there couldn't have been a flood for 40 days and 40 nights, so the whole Bible is bullshit. Well, wait a minute now, this other stuff could have, right? There are, are places where you're going to find flaws. And if you think that everything is flawed because of that, it's going to be a very ugly world that you live in. If you think that they can learn from, from mistakes and you know, redeem themselves, otherwise, great. But as I said, I retired. I, I don't know that I'll ever get people to really look at me and, you know, if you listen to me and you think I'm, you see what I'm saying and think I'm intelligent and all that stuff. It's flattering. But sometimes the only <laughs> opinion and the only words that matter um, come from people that um, maybe they'll never understand. I said the, the term earlier... Uh, emotionally bankrupt you you ever have a conversation with somebody and you're just emotionally bankrupt you're drained it's all gone now are you really trying or are you emotionally drained because you just poured it all out and you just walked away if you have synergy and you have great chemistry you have this unique experience in the world with one another there's no reason that you can't find common ground and try to understand each other. But if you approach things in a way that you are unwilling to see any change, you do not have any interest in acknowledging progress and seeing things in a different light. You'll never notice. I can't force you to do it. People can be willfully ignorant is the term, or they can just be naive. And as you know, it's, oh you're, oh you're still that same old guy, Michael. Um, 
No. I mean, the most flattering thing that's come across my way is that often people will say, you know, what are you, what are you up to and what are you doing? And, you know, usually it's something fresh and, you know, I've got seven things going in my head at once. One or two of those things are always emotionally cancerous things that are, you know, I'm, how, what am I doing about this situation or that situation? I'm always looking to, you know, I don't know, make a difference in somebody's life. To You know, oh, so-and-so's sick. Well, let's do what we can to pick them up, make them feel better. So-and-so is not feeling well. And, oh, what can we do for them, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But the reality of the situation is, if they refuse you and they don't allow you in, then there's not a whole lot you can do. I mean, you can't, you know, changing people by force. And if you force somebody to go to rehab, what do you think their chances of success are? Right? So in this situation, when you are emotionally, you know, bankrupt... When you've been looked at a, a certain way your your whole life, and you finally see everything, you realize who you wanted to be, and you see this this other person like you've you've got a picture from beginning to end. Oh man, I went on this long journey. I made all these fucking choices. Some of them were bad. And some of them were good. Look what I look what I've got in my toolbox. Look who I can be, and all of these things that I have to offer. Okay. What's your audience? Are you still putting on a show? Is this part of your act? Or if you're like me, <laughs> you're just sitting around telling stories because you're retired. And um, it's an empty place. Still a lot of good music. Like, I still get to a positive 9 or 10 on a regular basis. Let's be very clear about that. Like, I feel tremendous. I listen to these uplifting songs. I listen to very, very you know, tragic songs that still, you know, have a lot of feeling and gets my, you know, the chills and everything in my arms. But at the end of the day, like, the difference that I want to make, that validation and acknowledgement is supposed is only from specific places. <laughs> you know, and ultimately the mystery is, can you unlock forgiveness from someone? And I don't think, it's like rehab. I mean, I don't think you can force someone to forgive you. Um, I don't know any way that you can force their hand and Make them appreciate you. If you bring all of these things to the table that everybody else would kill for, it does not mean the audience that you're playing to is going to be receptive. You know, and I, I took a great deal of time to build up this, you know, toolbox of, of funny things and stories and meaningful gestures 
And perhaps there was something in my mind that thought, you know, if you do all of these tremendously awesome things, how could anybody not forgive you and overlook whatever crazy shit you do? Maybe I feel like I'm better than them because I would forgive somebody if they were that fucking awesome to me. And there's another part of me that says nobody else could ever be that way. So that's really a bullshit scenario. You're willing to give all these things, and then sometimes you make mistakes. And so because you give so much, they should that should be all considered, and it should wash itself out, right? And then another person, the other person, the intended audience, comes back to you and says, No, Michael, I really only valued these areas where you fucked up, so all that other stuff is meaningless. And you look at them and you say, Wait, wait a minute now. These other things make you so happy. You would rather sit at a zero or a one or a two or whatever than for me to take you all the way up to a positive ten. And their answer is, well, because I have these memories and you did these other things, I start out at a, at a negative such and such. And all this stuff that you're trying to do is... It's still not what I'm looking for, right? I'd rather wake up with a with a dirty house with someone who doesn't make the mistakes that you make. I'd rather be in that situation than to have all of the frivolous bonuses you bring to the household. And... Um, Who knows if they're real, right? Because that's the other question. Would you do all those things if you weren't fucking up the other stuff to start with? In my case, yes. And maybe the negotiation is I've always looked for somebody who would just let go. Say what you think. Do what you think. You know, I'm not telling you to drive everywhere 100 miles an hour. But you take the time to have meaningful conversations. You look around and hope that what you're doing is appreciated. You find someone who says... Uh, I, I think in the, in the five love languages, it's called words of affirmation. You find someone, or you you have this common slang, as I said about skeet and other things earlier. You have these inside words for each other where you know the other person appreciates things. But if you give in great amounts... And there's no credit given, and you <laughs> don't know if they even notice or if it even means anything. Then all of that effort you're putting in is it's going up in smoke. If, if someone comes back to you and they say, well, you did this wrong thing. Like, that's all I cared about. That's the wrong thing. Like, I'm going to judge you that you have this label forever.
does that really give you the mark of someone who's open-minded and who really cares about you and wants to, the best for you? If they can only see you in this ugly way, Maybe they don't know how to find the good in themselves. Maybe they don't know how to find the good in other people. And it's especially hard to acknowledge the person who's right in front of you. If they've done something wrong and, and say anything about the good in them. They'd rather thank a stranger than give someone who's done them wrong credit ever again. And any time that you've ever fucked up a situation and you go back to have a discussion with somebody who's on the wrong end of it, right? You did that person wrong. You can't, it's, it's very difficult anyway to go back and have a discussion with that person in a way that they will ever admit that anything they did is wrong, no matter how small it is. And this, this subconscious defense mechanism that they have where whatever it is, they... They spent money wrong, they made a wrong decision, they broke a plate, whatever it is. They have this ace that they want to be able to hit you over the head with any time. And so they can't let you have even the slightest mistake or acknowledge or take responsibility for that because that's like a negotiation to them. What they hold over you is this ugly, malicious power. This version of who they've labeled you as and how they see you. And if they admit any fault at all, oh, well, then they're coming down to your level because they see you this ugly way. You'll know whether people truly appreciate and acknowledge you, no matter how right or how wrong you've done them, if they openly are accountable around you. Because if they are... There's a work in progress. Otherwise, I guess they just retired. Color man on my TV screen says I'm beaming out coast to coast. It's a one ring circus going town to town to suck you in and chew you up. But when the pops ring out, the arena's full And the crowd's calling out for more Whoa, you never know Let's just step off the tie rope Got caught up in a fable Living like you could not dream of I walked 10,000 miles to take a limousine And put your mama in a sleeper hole I showed bad news, brand news The toughest in town and cracked Jimmy with a coconut Good times have come and gone. You drive all night to the next town.
boss man up in heaven cheering me on. See, this life is full of twists and turns, so follow your dreams and don't let up. been our pleasure at Michael L. Craver Presents to bring you this fine podcast. Be sure that you like, you subscribe, you leave a review if you've enjoyed what you had to hear today. You can listen on all your favorite media platforms, iHeartRadio, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music. Tell Alexa to play Michael L. Craver Presents. Take care of yourself out there.